Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And before we descend on our Bible study today, I would like to remind you that all of my Bible studies are free for you to download and copy. And all of my Bible studies come with no strings attached. There's no registration requirements. There's no email required. No subscriptions. Uh, you don't have to give me a thumbs up. And you will never have to pay a penny. My only goal in doing this podcast and the website is to connect you with Christ Jesus. And he paid the price for all of us. We do have a voluntary contact form if you would like to receive my latest Bible study before it gets posted onto the website. But it's 100% voluntary. You can view all of my Bible studies uh, that have been loaded so far on www.hopeisaprayerway.com. That's www.hopeisaprayerway.com. Now let's get into the Word of God today. And in today's Bible study, I think we're going to touch a good area that a lot of people uh, aren't too sure of and And hopefully we can bring some clarity to the situation, okay? Now, I'm going to pose a question to you, and let's see if we can answer it through our studies, okay? Does the Bible say that we die? Yes. Does the Bible say that we die? Now, let's start start by defining what death is. Death is the absence or withdrawal of breath and the life force that makes movement, metabolism, and interrelational with others possible. So that is the definition of that. Now, in the Old Testament, we want to look at and see what the Old Testament says of the nature of death. So in the, to- in, in the Old Testament, we find that life and death are totally under Yah- Yahweh's sovereignty. And there's a lot of Bible verses. Um, I won't be able to read them all for, for time's sake, but they are on the website. And I encourage you to please, if you in your devotional time, download and copy the Bible study and get your Bibles, and uh, and, and 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 study the study this uh, this topic. It's really interesting. So. In Psalms 36 and verse 9, and all of my uh, Bible verses are out of the NIV, God is the source of all life. That's according to Psalms 36.9, 36, chapter 36 and verse 9. Now, there are no organisms anywhere who have not received their life force from him. In his hands is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind, according to Job 12 and verse 10. The number of days of our life is written in God's book before one of them comes to be. So before we come into existence, he already had counted our days. And that can be found in Job 14 and verse 5, and also in Psalms 139 and verse 16. Now, the Hebrew verb gawa, which means to expire, to breathe one last breath, is used 23 times to describe death. 
Now in Psalms 104.29, it says, When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. If it were his intentions, and if he withdrew his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish. And that's Job 34, verses 14 through 15. Now in the Bible, death is more than a it is more than a cessation of all physiological processes. By divine, by divine command, in Psalms 90 and verse 3, the body returns to dust and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. And that can be found in Genesis 2, uh, verse 7, and Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7. Now those who die are said to be gathered to their people. In Genesis 25 and verse 8, 35 verse 29, and 49 verses 30, verse 33. This gathering is often seen as a reference to the central repository of the family tomb where eventually everyone's bones were thrown. Now Abraham's people, however, were buried in Haran in Genesis 24 and 4 and Genesis 24 and 10. And only he and Sarah were born or were buried in Canaan. And that can be found in Genesis 23, verses 19 and 25, verse 9. Now Jacob is gathered to his people at death, but is not buried until at least seven weeks later. And that can be found in Genesis 49, 33, Genesis 50, verse 3, and Genesis 50, Verse 10. So when Jacob says he is going down to Joseph in, Je in Genesis 37 35, he cannot be referring to a common burial since no one knew where Joseph's body was. Deceased Samuel told Saul he and his sons would be with him the next day in 1 Samuel 28, verses 19. He could not have meant that they would all be buried together the next day, since Saul's headless body was buried in Jabesh, Gilead, sometime after his death, and we can find that in 1 Samuel 31, verses 9 through 11. So David said of his, of his dead son, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And that can be found in 2 Samuel 12, 23. So Samuel was buried in, in, in his house at Ramah in verse Samuel 25, verse 1. But in 28, verses 13 and 15, he comes up from the earth to Saul at Endor, protesting that he has been disturbed. The intense emotional, the intense emotional reaction of Saul and the medium as well as their remarks about Samuel, indicate that they believed that they had actually seen his departed spirit. Had this been some sort of demonic delusion, the narrator would have clearly have been obligated to call this to the attention of his audience. It is difficult to avoid the fact that in the Old Testament, people believed a person's physical remains were interred in one place, and that part of the person capable of consciousness and personality went to another location. 
Now to gather one's people was an event taking place before burial at the time of death. Now let us examine the origin of death. What is the origin of death? So unlike the age, ancient Mesopotamian concept, death was not originally built into the human constitution. People were created for life, not for death. They had access to both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were told that they would certainly die if they ate from the latter in, ver in verses uh, 2.17 in Genesis. So humankind was not tricked out of eternal life, as in the Adapa myth, nor was it stolen from them, as in the Gilgamesh epic. They partook of the forbidden tree with full awareness of the consequences. So apparently from close observation of the plant and the animal kingdom, they would have been able to know what death was. Now, let's see how the Old Testament defines mortality. Now, in the Old Testament, death is an unavoidable reality. From a human point of view, death was just a, as final as spilled water. And that can be found in 2 Samuel 14, 14, and a pot broken at the well in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 6. Death is so ominous and powerful, it can be compared to a fortified city with gates and bars. According to Psalms 9, verses 13 and 107, verse 18. Our days are numbered. Genesis 6, 3. Psalms 90, verse 10. They pass like the life of a flower. According to Psalms 90 and verse 6 and Isaiah 40, verse 6. Thus the psalmist prays that we, might, that we might number our days so as to live our lives carefully and wisely, as we find in Psalms 90 and verse 12. Life in the biblical world was very fragile. There was constant fear that one might not survive until tomorrow. Death stalked all sides. Psalms 91 verses 5 through 7. Pestilence, malnutrition, awe and accidental fall, famine, war, ambushed by the enemies, being denounced by an enemy to a ruler, complications in childbirth, and even minor infections could all prove to be fatal. So death indeed, like fire, seemed never to be satisfied. And that can be found in Proverbs 30 and verse 16. It seemed as though it had cords and snares that could pull a person down to the grave. Psalms 18 and verse 5. So, what was the response to mortality in the Old Testament? So, the Israelites were not helpless pawns at the mercy of a capricious fate. They could respond to their own, to their own mortality with God-given resources. They knew God made the steps of a righteous man firm in Psalms 37 and verse 23. And unlike most of the ancient Near Eastern peoples, they did not have to worry that they might bring death down on themselves by unknowingly offending some minor deity. 
Now God had written a law telling clearly what pleased him. They knew if they meditated on this law day and night, they could be like a luxuriant tree. Luxuriant tree. Sages wrote inspired proverbs telling the people how to escape dangerous situations. They could even find emotional and spiritual release by writing laments to God. Sometimes people seem to respond rather pessimistically to death. Now, the Old Testament saints saw through a glass darkly. They could see mainly what happened to the physical body. Thus, they could not see any productive activity beyond this life. The living know that they will die, but the dead do not know anything. This is what they said in Ecclesiastes 9.5 and Ecclesiastes 9.10. Men like Hezekiah could reason with God and they should go on living because no one worships God in death. That would be Isaiah 28 verses 18 through 19. So the preacher even extols the advantages of death in Ecclesiastes 4.2, Job 3, 13 through 19. He is not, however, as negative in his stance as is commonly supposed. Since death is quick and inevitable, mortals should live intensely to the fullest enjoying every minute of everything they do. Now, that sounds awesome. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Now God has given them gifts of accepting their portion and their finding satisfaction in their work. Ecclesiastes 3.13, Ecclesiastes 5.17 through 18, and 9 verses 7. Now since material things perish, we can best respond by orienting ourselves to the significant other gods has given us. And that's found in Ecclesiastes 9.9. Fatalism is never, never a response to mortality. A live dog is better than a dead lion. Ecclesiastes 9.4. Taking one's life is never recommended. Even in the book of Job, it is never taken up as an option. Now, the only victims of suicide in the Old Testament were, the, were, were, were men. Ahithophel and Saul, who, faced, who was faced with imminent and unavoidable, unavoidable death anyway. Now, these men believed they were choosing a better manner of death than their enemies could select for them. And that's found in 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 through 6, and 2 Samuel 17, and verse 23. Now, victory over death. The ancient Israelites knew that they can find refuge in times of natural disasters under the wings of the Almighty. Psalms 91 and verse 1. They also knew the valley of the shadow of death was unavoidable, but they also knew that in the end the shepherd would walk with them. Psalms 23 and verse 4. Isn't that amazing, friends? That in our last moments, that he's going to walk with us. 
Thank you, Jesus. They knew that something about the day of death was better than the day of birth. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1. And even though God has set limits on human life, it is still valuable and sacred to him. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalms 116 and 15. Murderers are to receive the sentence of capital punishment. Gen Genesis 9, 5 through 6, because we are made in the image of God. Now, God takes no pleasure even in the death of the wicked. Ecclesiastes 18.32, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 18.32. There is evidence that in the Old Testament, death is not as final as it, as it sometimes is supposed to be. True, there were no price, even a rich man could pay to avoid it. And that can be found in Psalms 49.7-8, so... We know we can't buy our way into heaven. And death comes like a shepherd to lead us into the grave. But the psalmist affirms in faith, in faith that God will himself pay the redemptive price for the release from the power of death in Psalms 49.15. And in Psalm 73, the singer believes that though his frail flesh and heart may fail, God will be his portion forever and receive him to glory. Amen. Psalms 73, verse 24. Psalms 73, verse 26. For God, death is not an insurmountable obstacle. The death, indecision, bareness, old age and confusion of Genesis 11 actually becomes the stage on which God begins to play out his drama of redemption. Out of all of this hopelessness and despair comes the life-giving blessings of Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3. And Isaiah looks forward to the day when the death shroud will be removed and death will be permanently swallowed up in Genesis 25 verses 7 through 8. A day will come when deadly forces that hurt and destroy will not exist in, in God's holy mountain. That's Genesis 11, 6 through 9. Now let us move along. Let's go now and see what the New Testament has to say. And figurative, figuratively meanings. And the New Testament broadens the term death to include various figurative meanings. But the widow who lives for pleasure, says Paul, is dead even while she lives. That can be found in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, verse 6. People who are alive physically may be dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1. Even we Christians may be considered dead. And Revelations 3, 1. And in a positive sense, believers may be said to be dead to sin. Romans 6, verse 1, and crucified with Christ in Galatians 2, 20. Even becoming a disciple requires a new radical reorientation to death and the taking up, the, up, up of the cross daily. We must take up a cross daily. That can be found in Matthew 16 and verse 24. 
In the New Testament way of thinking, death is necessary for life and fruitfulness. John 12, 24. Now, the origin of death, as viewed in the, in the New Testament, enlarges our understanding and, and, and of the origin of death. Death passed all men because one man's disobedience, so that in Adam all die. We all die because we all originate from Adam, and he committed the, the sin of eating from the tree. And that's found in Romans 5, 12 through 17, and 1 Colossians 15 through uh, verse 22. So the wages of, of sin is death, as found in Romans 6, 23. Even the mindset of the flesh is death, in Romans 8, 6. The letter of the law kills by giving knowledge about sin, Romans 7, 7 through 12. Once you know about Christ, you can't say that you didn't know, you weren't aware. Thus, the law is considered the ministry of death. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 7. Okay, now. The second death. Wait a minute. I thought we just died once. No, friends. See, there's a second death. The New Testament delineates a deeper, more somber meaning to death. Death is appointed to all men, but after that comes judgment. In 2 Colossians 5.10 and in Hebrews 9.27, in death people do not live in a sort of nebulous twilight zone. The righteous are comforted and the wicked are, tor are tormented. And Luke 16, verses 22 through 25. The final destiny of death in Hades is to be cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. That can be found in the book of Revelations 20, verses 14 through 15. And Jesus said, We are not to fear those who can kill the body but those who can kill the body and the soul in hell. That's him. Matthew 10, 28. The second death is a metaphorical term for eternal separation from the presence of God. And how sad is that? When God says, you're going away from me. You'll never see me again. You'll never have my protections and my blessings. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10, Revelation 2, 11, Revelation 20, that, uh, verse 6, and Revelation 20, uh, verses 14 and 15. But we got good news, friends. There is triumph over death. And while the New Testament makes the agony of death more intense and fearsome, it shows a greater triumph over it. It is not the second death, but the death of Christ that occupies the center of attention. Through death, he destroyed the devil who had the power over death and emptied death of its fear. In Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, by dying, Christ destroyed death and brought immortality to light. In 2 Timothy 1, 10, 
And in this event, we are reconciled to and brought to God in Romans 5.10. Even at the beginning of Christ's ministry, light shone in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Matthew 4.16. Now, being himself lost from the pains of death in Acts 2.24 and crowned with the glory and honor in Hebrews 2.9, he has the keys of death and hell. Revelation 1.18. So friends, if anyone has told you that you're going here or that you're going there, friends, the only person that has the keys of death and hell is Christ Jesus. So don't allow anyone to mislead you. Don't allow anyone to tell you that God doesn't love you because you're this or because you're that. Because guess what? Starting with me, nobody, nobody is beyond sin. And I need Jesus to save me just like you do. Uh, we're no better than anybody else. We are all full of sin. We're all sinners. And we've all committed sins in our life. I begin with myself. Many. If not for his grace and mercy, I would be going to hell. No doubt. And if he was to ask me, I would say, yes, Lord. Rightfully, you're judging me correctly. I hope to... I hope and I thank God for his grace and mercy. Now, Christians still die, but their death is gained because they are now with Christ. Remember the thief on the cross? It's one of the most greatest theological uh, events ever. For the, the he, Remember that Jesus was hung with two thieves. And one of them was mocking him. The other one repented. And, and he said, Mass, he says, uh, Rabbi, don't forget me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So friends, once we die, immediately we're taken in the presence of Christ. And you can read that again, 2 Colossians 5, 6 and Philippians 1, 20 through 21. Even death cannot separate us, Christians, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 through 39. In death, Christians are given comfort, rest, and assurance. Luke 16, 22 through 25, and Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. The dead, are in, the dead are in Christ asleep. Let me read that again. The dead are in Christ asleep. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 Waiting for the day when death will be completely swallowed up by life. And 2 Corinthians 5.4 Then mortality will be put on immortality in 1 Corinthians 15 through 53. Death, the last enemy, will itself be destroyed in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26. 
There will be no more death or sorrow, and God will wipe all of the, the tears from all of our faces in Revelation 21.4. For those who overcome and attain the resurrection of Christ, the second death has no power. And those who believe in Christ will not see death. John 8, verses 51 through 52. So friends, if you've never accepted Christ, today our Lord is reaching out to you with his hand. And he's asking you to please take his hand. You don't have to die. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to Hades. All you have to do is accept Him. It's voluntary, just like my website. And if you don't know Christ and you would like to receive Him today, I'm going to lead you in prayer and please pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I come before your throne. I ask for forgiveness of all of my sins. This day, my Lord, I accept you and I make you my Lord and Savior. And I understand, Father, that I will not taste death, for I will be with you in paradise, just like the thief on the cross, forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for your ultimate sacrifice in defeating death that you made for me on Calvary. Thank you, Jesus. And friends, if you prayed along with me as I read the, or as I spoke that prayer, I do believe you are born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church. Keep growing in God. Share the gospel. And remember that we only have so many days on this earth. And one day we're going to account. Christians will account. Well, now that you heard the good news, what did you do with it? And that's why I did this podcast. And I'll be honest with you. This, this podcast and the website was the impetus of whom I believe is probably one of the greatest human beings to ever walk the face of this earth. And his name was Danny Thomas. And Danny Thomas founded and created St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And I'm a, I have a, a Bible study on him. But you know, can you think of how many people Danny Thomas saved and is still saving because of his love for God and that really motivated me I'm like I would like to do something that when I come before the presence of the Lord I can say Father I tried to reach the masses and I tried to lead people to you and I know friends I know that sometimes churches have become commercialized, but not here. You can come and receive Christ for free. Like I said, no strings attached. 
My reward is knowing that Jesus is in your life and that I partook a little role, a minute role in that. I like to close every podcast with uh, one of the best phrases I've ever heard. And it's from the late Pastor John H. Osteen. And Pastor Osteen would always close out his uh, TV sermons and he would say, keep Jesus first place in your life and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Friends, thank you for your time and for the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Our podcast is broadcasted at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.